know I'm gonna get got. But I'm gonna get mine more than I get got though. What is good, guys? Welcome back. This is episode 24 of Lock It or Leave It. Great episode, so let's just hop right into it. This is being recorded on Monday, April the 5th. This episode should be airing tomorrow, so stay tuned. As always, I'm your host, Jay, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Cam. What's going on, man? What's up, Jay? We've got a bunch of good content to get into today. My Bulls actually made some moves in the offseason for once, so they're not in the offseason, before the trade deadline, which was just great to see. And we got a big game tonight with the championship after Jalen Suggs had that disgusting game winner the other night. So uh, let's get into all this content. Yeah, shout out Jalen Suggs, but also to Johnny Juzang, who was putting on a show for the Asian community also. Let's go and hop into the two guests that we have for today. Let's start off with Aaron. Aaron, how are you, man? I'm doing great. This March Madness has been awesome. I've had a great time watching some great basketball from some great players. Uh, our tournament challenge is coming to a close, as you all know. Uh, by the time you listen to this, probably either Devin Rivera or J.P. Maniscalco will have won, so congrats to them. Big shout out there. Uh, let's get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Then last but certainly not least, we have Floyd. I wish you guys could see the video attached with this. He is in Tampa, got the glasses and the shades on with tequila in his hand, yes, just sir. having a time. How are you, Floyd? What's going on? Boys, I'm doing great. You know, sitting in the Florida sun, it gave me a lot of time to think about just how she Celtics have played recently, and I feel like at some point in this podcast, I might yell a little bit, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully the Celtics are a better team than the Bulls in two years from now, and I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. So we will be going and talking about the NBA like we discussed. We're entering the home stretch coming up. We're talking about the NBA trade deadline, winners and losers, Floyd Celtics ceiling, how high and how far can they get in the playoffs. And this could be the toughest Western Conference in years. We'll discuss that. And lastly, the future of the East. So without further ado, we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. Okay, so we are back, and let's start off with this. Floyd, are we getting drunk Floyd right now, or is this buzzed Floyd? Which Floyd are we getting? What takes are we getting? Well, we're getting buzzed Floyd to start with, and hopefully by the time we hit the Celtics slander, I'm going to be pooted. I absolutely love it, but let's not start <laughs> off with the Celtics slander. Let's go to the Denver Nuggets in the trade deadline. They acquired Aaron Gordon, of course. Like uh, Floyd alluded to when we were talking before the podcast started, they had to lose RJ Hampton, they had to lose Gary Harris, but hey, they're in win-now mode. You have an MVP in Nikola Jokic. You have players like Jamal Murray who have proven they can get it done in the playoffs down the stretch. MPJ is really growing, and I love watching the Nuggets because the Aaron Gordon off-ball movement is ridiculous. Floyd, touch on the Nuggets a little bit. Maybe some things you're looking forward to, then let's get Aaron. Well, when it comes to the Nuggets, I, I think when it comes to the trade line as well, you're, lo you're looking at the teams that are on the cusp that feel like they can make that leap into the NBA Finals and they can make some noise. And that's exactly what the Nuggets view themselves as. I love the Aaron Gordon trade. They had to give up, like, like we talked about, a young player in R.J. Hampton. Gary Harris, who could be one of the most underrated players in the league because that guy can get his own bucket. He's a great rotational piece in the offense. But when you look at the addition of Aaron Gordon and the way he has played off Nikola Jokic, I watched an interview with him. It's like Jokic doesn't have eyes. You know, he, he has eyes in the back of his head. Aaron's making the right cuts. He's playing defense a little harder. And whenever you're on a competing championship team like this, you want to play to your best ability because you have something to play for. So I think this is the greatest thing that could happen to Aaron Gordon. 
The Nuggets lost a little bit, but I think they gained that much more. So I like the move for the Nuggets. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it as a Magic fan, but you can just tell guys are happier when they're not playing in Orlando, which kind of sucks. Maybe we'll be good one day. Probably not. But Aaron Gordon looks awesome right now. He's His off-ball movement, like Floyd touched on, has been great. Playing off of Jokic with Jamal Murray in that uh, that backcourt, I think he's a great fit for this team at power forward. And I think he raises their ceiling a lot this year. I think he's a guy you really got to watch out for on offense, whereas who they have before, Paul Millsap down there? I don't think Paul Millsap is nearly as good as Aaron Gordon with how athletic he is and how many things he can do on and off the ball. So I love this move for the Jazz. Yeah, I think you guys all hit that right on the head. That is a big starting lineup when you have Jokic, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, who's also like 6'6". Your smallest guy is Jamal Murray, who's your point guard, which should be your smallest guy. I mean, again, like depth could become an issue in the playoffs because you're really only guy that's coming off the bench is Paul Millsap. That's like good. So, I mean, if they just got to keep it together. And uh, I think this team can definitely make a run and make it to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, absolutely. Right now they're sitting in the four spot. Lakers in the five spot. If I'm the Lakers, I do not want to see a healthy and rejuvenized Denver Nuggets in the first round. That is a nightmare of a matchup for me as a Lakers fan or a LeBron fan. Don't like that. But you know, every fucking playoff match is going to be ridiculously tough. Every one that you do is going to be tough. So we'll see what happens with the, uh, with the Nuggets. I really like where they can go, but let's move on to another team that acquired some players or a specific player, the Miami Heat. They got Victor Oladipo. They've won four out of the last five, and they're sitting in the five spot, a game behind Atlanta. You know, uh, do we think this Heat team is better or worse than last year's Heat team? Let me start off with uh, Aaron, and then let's go to Floyd after. I think they're better, but I still don't think they make the run that they did last year. I think I said it before on here that the perfect storm happened for them to make the finals last year. And I just don't see that happening again with how good the East is. I think they're a better team overall, but I think the Sixers and the Nets are just so much better than them right now that it's not going to make a difference in the end. So yes, better team, but not as good a situation as last year. Well, it's, you know, the way I look at it is that it's easy to say they're a better team because they have Oladipo. It's a guy that we saw get drafted third overall by your magic. And he's played really great. But we tend to forget Kelly was playing his best season by far in the Heat this year. Avery Bradley, respected throughout the league as a great 3 and D, plus even a little bit more player. And they gave up a pick. So I like how they got Oladipo. It, it filled a need at shooting guard next to Jimmy out there, someone that could create some offense. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like they're, they're working hard just to lose to Philly eventually. I, I don't see the Miami Heat really overcoming anything off of this trade. And I think that's an important part when making trades is that you're trying to reach a certain goal. You're trying to beat, you know, teams that you weren't able to beat before. Does Oladipo do that? Not necessarily. So, yes, they are better. But honestly, you put them in a seven-game series with Boston, you know who I'm going with in that. So that's how I feel. I'm going to have to take a sharp turn to the left on, on, on these takes right here because I think what we've seen is the four teams that made it the farthest in the bubble all didn't have great starts. The Nuggets didn't have a great start. The Lakers didn't have a great start. Now they're dealing with injuries. The Celtics, we know how they're doing. And then the Heat, they're finally starting to come back into form and get some players. I think that Miami, we saw them. They got to the finals as a five seed last year. And 
people didn't even, you know, expect them to get that far. So, dude, I don't know. Eric Spolster as a coach, the depth that they have. We haven't even seen playoff Jimmy yet, you know. We're just getting regular season Jimmy right now. Don't tell me that series isn't going six or seven with the Sixers because it is. Embiid is a force of nature. Bam Adebayo is a good player, too. You have Jimmy Butler. Let's see what Goran Dragic you get. Hopefully you get bubble Goran instead of the regular season of last year's Goran. So we'll see about the Heat. But let's just keep on moving to Cam's team. So we'll start off with Cam. The Nets, man. Tell me about like their uh, their trade acquisitions, their buyout guys, Blake Griffin, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, how you feel about them as players. Just uh, give me the rundown. Well, I know exactly how you feel about them. So uh, I'm just going to start. This is exactly what uh, Brooklyn needed to do. I don't know if you saw that article, but uh, when LaMarcus Aldridge told a reporter when he found out he was going to get bought out by the Spurs, he checked his phone and he already had a text from KD that said, come to Brooklyn. And I just think KD has was scheming this whole plan from the beginning. He's been building this team. Everybody says that like, oh, he was just going to go there with Kyrie. Like, no, 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 no. This was always his plan from the beginning. And uh, but we all know how Blake Griffin's been doing since he left the Pistons, just catching lobs and back to his former self. And I would be, they are definitely the title favorites as of this point. And I'm excited to see where they go from this season. Yeah, the Nets are very interesting, man. Um, as a KD non-supporter, it's a little interesting for me because uh, I knew this would happen. I knew LaMarcus Aldridge would go to the Nets, and I knew Blake Griffin would go to the Nets and become whole different players. You know why? Because now they're bought in, and they don't have to be the guy that's the first or second option. Now they can be the fourth, fifth, sixth option and still get their buckets and play with other great players. You know, the Nets, everyone said the NBA media needs to take a needs to swallow a hard pill for this, where you hear people like Bill Simmons and all these very big NBA guys say these guys won't have any impacts. It's the carcass of what they used to be. No, it is not. I get it. They're not the same all star, but you pair a good player with other great players and they're going to start looking like someone you haven't seen in a long time. Uh, yeah, Claxton's a beast. Um... He was a great college player at University of Georgia. I've uh, been a big fan of his for a while, so it's been cool to see him kind of break out a little bit this year and show the world what he can do now that the Nets are good and he's on more of a national stage. So really like seeing that. You know, we, we were talking about the Heat and their, you know, the moves they made and how they've gotten a little bit a little bit better with Oladipo. Can you imagine if they got Harden, if they just let go of Tyler Hero, if they swallowed their pride and was like, okay, it might be Harden's time to go now. Let, let's take him and we'll see what we can do, but instead they get – Oladipo and they lose Kelly, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm just saying, I cannot believe Pat Riley gave up on Harden because he's looking like an MVP candidate over there in Brooklyn. I'll do you one better. What if Tillman Fertitta, who just saw Daryl Morey as his GM, tell him, I want to spend more time with my kids. I'm going to be away from the game for five years. And two weeks later, be the new GM of the Philadelphia 76ers. What if he swallowed that hard-to-swallow pill and said, I could get Ben Simmons. That's better than any trade asset yep. or offer that I got. I could get Ben Simmons. But instead, you know what? Out of spite for Daryl Morey, I won't do it. Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Harden and Embiid together. And I'm thinking oh, that oh team, that team would beat the Nets with Kyrie yeah, and beat, Kevin Durant. Yeah. They're beating Definitely. the Nets. And I know how great both Kyrie and KD are. Embiid, there's no answer in Harden, man. 
he is looking like a prime MVP candidate. So we'll see with the Nets. I'm hoping, I'm very hoping, I'm very hopeful that uh, we can get a Knicks-Nets first round. I hope. Because when it's in Brooklyn, there'll still be more Knicks fans in the stands and in the stadiums. And Brooklyn will finally realize it doesn't matter what we do. We're the Clippers of the East. But let's keep it going to the Lakers because you guys talked about how Aaron Gordon and all these players became better while they played while they played, excuse me, with great players. So Andre Drummond, how do we feel about the Lakers getting Andre Drummond? How he'll play with LeBron, how he'll play with AD when he gets back healthy. Floyd? Well, the thing about Drummond is I find it kind of ironic. We, we talk about so much about how three-pointers are so important and outside shooting, but when it comes to the best rebounder and potentially big man defender in the league, we completely think that he changes the Lakers squad. I don't see it as game-altering. I don't see them getting too much better from it. It's going to help when you do, I don't know, when, when they play the Nuggets, helping out with Jokic and getting those boards. But you already had Anthony Davis. So them getting another quote-unquote star big man, I like it. I don't see it as something that completely changes their roster. But it, it's a nice addition, but nowhere near anything more important than, like, I don't know, let, let's say, you know, Harden going to Brooklyn or anything like that. It's not game-altering, I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. Can it make the difference in a series? No. I don't think so. Getting 14 rebounds a game, I'm not sure if that's going to win a series for you against Denver. I'm not sure if that's going to win a series for you against Brooklyn because when it comes to those teams, they're getting buckets regardless. Drummond can get your 13.5, but is he going to get you that post-up game? Is he going to space out the floor for you? Is it is going to elevate LeBron's game at year 36 or 37, wherever the hell he's at now? I don't see it. It's, it's a big-time signing because of big-time numbers, not because he's a big-time player and I know I sound like a Drummond hater but that's just how it is what well, I actually agree with you a lot I do like the Drummond signing though because it allowed them the matchup I hope they run into Denver because with those three big man matchups you got like LeBron AD and Drummond versus like MPJ Jokic and Aaron Gordon that'll be fun to watch in the playoffs and watch those bigs just go back and forth and add each other for a full series yeah I would say that the uh the goal right now for the Lakers is just try to keep your head above the water you know LeBron and AD are going to be out for an extended period of time. You don't want to fall too far down where it starts to become murky waters in the first round when you have to play back into shape in the playoffs. Because they're not going to come back and be 100. No, exactly. So just keep your head above water. They they need to, you know, they lost last night, I'm pretty sure. Uh, They lost over the weekend to the Clippers. Just got to make some shots. They got to get better as a team. And kind of just hunker down. You know, this is the hard part of the season. But when you get your stars back, everything will get better. But let's keep on moving on and let's go to Cam's Bulls, man. Because I'm very interested to hear about how he thinks this uh, trade deadline went for his squad. Cam, do you want to weigh in on how you think Vucevic added to your Bulls team? And maybe if they can make anything going on in the playing game or in the playoffs. I mean, I do like watching. I've only watched like three or four of the Bulls games so far. And it it's definitely makes them more watchable because it's not just the Zach Levine show. There's more than one person who can score. And I'm hoping we can slide into the playoffs, but like the way it's been playing, it's more realistic that we're going to be in the playing game. If at all, we make that everybody's shaking your heads at me right now, but I still think they can slide into maybe the playing game. And 
either way, they're not they're gonna lose one of the top three seeds and they still can't still can't touch the Sixers, the Bucks, or the Nets. So I mean it's tough, it's a tough pill to swallow, but it definitely makes us better. Yeah, I actually really like this uh, this trade for the Bulls because I think what this does is it makes Zach Levine see that they're committed to winning long term and makes him a lot more likely to sign an extension and stick around in Chicago. And I think that would be big for them because he's really taken a break or he's taken, uh, taken a leap this year. He's breaking out and he looks like a guy that you can build your team around in the future if he continues to stay on the level he is right now. Well, something that the Bulls got from this that they haven't had since Derrick Rose and Jimmy is two bona fide, solidified stars on their team. You know, we've been having to watch the Bulls for the past five or so years, and it's just like, who the fuck am I cheering for? Like, what, D. Wade goes there when he's old? You got you get Rondo? It didn't seem like the, the Bulls front office really had a set-in-stone plan. But I like what Aaron said about Zach Levine is that you're showing a commitment that you're trying to get on the track to winning. You're not going to be rebuilding for the next five or so years. They're invested in the core that they have. And I really like Lori Markinen. I like Kobe White. But Vucevic elevates not only Zach's game, but everyone else's because it's like, okay, we can actually make the playoffs. We can win games. And Vuce is the kind of player that he spreads your floor a little bit as a center. He gets guys more open. He has a vision. He has a shooting. I liked it a lot. The only thing that I don't like is that we might have to see them in the play-in tournament, and I'm not exactly sure how uh, Mo Wagner is going to do when Vooch is lined up across him for however many games is going to be played. Yeah, man, so the Bulls is very interesting. I'll tell you what, man. I like to watch Bulls games because Zach Levine is entertaining to watch, man. You know, like I actually do enjoy those games, but someone we didn't talk about on the Bulls is Patrick Williams and how he fits in his future long-term for the organization where they can also go to Levine and pitch. You don't have to take the best player every night. We have someone for that. You have a big man that's an all-star caliber level, and we are going into the draft with a good amount of capital. So I say you stick it with us, stick with us, sign an extension, let's see what happens. But uh, my question to you, Cam, before we go and take a break, is Levine's player arc. How much better can he get as a player? Are we seeing his peak numbers? Because he's already putting up absurd numbers. Uh, that's tough, but uh, I think we're if we're not if we're not already at it, we're pretty freaking close. Like he's 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 efficiency is way up from last year. Like if you look at his numbers since back in his Timberwolves days, he has been getting better every year. But I mean, he's given you almost thirty points a night, shooting like forty two percent from deep and like pretty good from everywhere else on literally so many shots because there's not a lot of other scores on this Bulls team right now. If, if I don't think he could get much better, maybe like he's at like 27.8 or something right now, he could probably like get to like 29, close to 30. But like, I don't see him getting any better than this. What do you think? Yeah, which brings up the uh, question, do the Bulls need someone to be better than Zach Levine to really make a playoff push? They need to get an all-star. Well, I think, you know, when, when, when it comes to Pat, he's a rookie, right? And what we see with a lot of rookies is, okay, sometimes they give up shots to the veterans or whoever that maybe they should be taking. I mean, look at Anthony Edwards, right? He averages like 17 a game. But if you ever watch a Timberwolves game, which, you know, God bless you if you do, which I have occasionally, there's sometimes when he can attack the basket, get another shot. And I think the same thing implies with Patrick Williams is that he's not there yet in, in, in the confidence level necessarily. He has confidence. But as these players get older and they're not rookies anymore, they'll take that midi. They'll take the drive in. 
But right now, I, I say the Bulls are looking really good, you know, for the next three years. I could see you guys even, you know, maybe making a semifinal soon. We'll see. But you guys are in the right direction, you know, which is the best thing that a team could have right now. So, Yeah, so going off Pat Will, like you said, offense, but the defense I can't touch on where I think right now we're looking at his defense as just his raw ability. He's 6'8", 225, right. long wingspan. Give him a couple years, and then he'll start actually understanding where to be, you know, making the right defensive read. Right now, he's just guarding the best players because he matches up the best with them. You know, no one can really size up with Kawhi. He can. He can size up with LeBron. So it's really about giving him some more years to mature on the defensive end, it, kind of find out yeah, the scheme. It's, it's, it's almost a raw talent. You know, give exactly. him a little bit. Let him get going. He'll learn the game. Exactly. Uh, you know, let's just take a break. We'll be right back. All right, so we are back. Just want a quick note. Chad came back from wherever he was. He's back. Chad is joining us now. What is going on, man? What's going on? What's going on, guys? I listened to a little bit of uh, the stuff you just talked about, so I'm excited, you know, to talk uh, about the Celtics. Let's get into it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Let's get right into it. So the Celtics and all hail Danny Ainge. He pulled off the best trade in the past decade of any team. They landed the well-known... Never time all-star. Evan Fournier. That was their yeah. big trade move. That was their guy to really step up and try to be a contender in the Eastern Conference. That is a lot better than last year. Floyd, I'll throw it right to you. Your fucking team looks like a dumpster fire. So tell me how you're going to put that fire out and what's going on. All right, gentlemen. Well, we, we talked earlier about this a little bit and I'll take the two second rounders for Evan. It's a rental. I understand that. This isn't something that is going to be long-term affecting our team, but it's important now. And the reason why is because the second unit that we've been putting out lately, if you watch Boston Celtics basketball games, it kind of hurts to watch a little bit. What is this offense? What are they trying to do? What are they trying to accomplish? When it comes to Evan, the guy is a career 17 and a half, you know, point scorer. He's been a starter since 2016, which on the Celtics, he won't be. But, you know, taking all of that in for account, I love it. I love the move because Danny knew his head was going to be taken by Boston residents if he didn't at least make a good trade. And he made a decent deal. We'll take it. The efficiency off the bench, I like it, at least for now. This season it's going to help. So I've died plenty of times on the Celtics money line hill this season. And I hate myself yes. every time that I bet it because it's not even that I lose the bet. I may win the bet and still be frustrated because it was the sloppiest right. game of basketball I've ever witnessed. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown going ISO, not having yes. anything, getting doubled, kind of panicking, throw it to Peyton Pritchard in the corner, and it's Clank City, Clank McGee. So I will say the addition of Evan Fournier is good. However, I'll say this about him. So it's really off and on. He's a very inconsistent player. First of all, in the two games that Boston lost, he scored a combined six points. And in the yes. two games that they've won, he scored a combined 40 points. So seeing the dichotomy of those performances directly, directly, uh, you know, kind of correlate with the Celtics play as a team. What do you want to add on to that, Chad? You, you compared it to a dumpster fire. I'd, I'd say it's more of a wildfire because uh, if they don't stop it, it's, it's going to burn the whole thing down. Uh, they, they had a great foundation, and to get rid of their center, who do they have now? Tristan Thompson? I don't even think they have Rob Williams, center. baby. Rob Williams. Robert don't Williams. Okay. okay. 
I mean, what are they going to do against Giannis in the East? You know, you guys need more than just isolation scores. I think you guys need more of team basketball at the end of the day. So, uh, I mean, the trade, it's not terrible, but it's, I don't think it's, you know, a good start. Didn't Fournier go like 0 for 12 in his first game as a Celtic? Okay, so he didn't score a point. Okay, but when you're a veteran of the league, you're on a new squad after all these years, I'll let it go. We don't got to talk about it. But it's just what he brings to the team, at least for now. I'm talking about now. Three years from now, like I said, I hope the Celtics don't have to see the Bulls in a playoff series. But if Danny didn't make this move, if this move wasn't made, all of Boston being riots were below 500 most of the time, which just can't happen. Danny has been great at drafting. He has been great at – really, that's about it because we don't make the moves. So the reason why we made this Evan trade and not for a player like Gordon or some Aaron Gordon or Vooch is because he didn't want us to mortgage our future out of desperation. I talked to Jay about this earlier. It's okay that we don't have a major piece that we got at the trade line. We don't have to make that major move because we still have the trade exception of about $10 million this summer. We use $18 million of that with Evan, so it's, we didn't lose any money off the books. We still have $10 million from the Gordon Hayward trade. That's how we got the player exception. So I like it. It's going to give Celtics fans a little hope. They're not going to want to fire Danny. We might actually win a playoff series. So it's great for now. But now we got to look at the summer and say, hey, what's the next move? It's not Vooch. It's not Drummond because he's in L.A. What are we going to do now? No, the slander's not done yet. So your two best players, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you better hope that in three years – you mortgage your future correctly because they be they could be requesting a trade. They could be opting out of their contracts. If Danny Ainge can't do anything going on, then of course. Uh, just something real You're, quick that just yeah. happened. It looks like the Carolina Panthers just traded for Sam Darnold uh, as we are what? right now. Whoa. Yep. Yeah. It just Whoa. Happened. Yeah, just tweeted about it. Uh, Interesting. I don't have the full details, but that is a developing story that we will keep on top of. We'll let you guys know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I need to know for what. I need to know what's the what. trade. I'm trying to find that right there, now. Whoever grab a port. Wow. Size. Okay, so it looks, yeah, it Sam looks Donald's like traded to the Carolina Panthers for uh, a 2021 sixth round pick, 2022 second round pick and a 2022 fourth round pick. So that means really? that's the Jets are going QB uh, at their number two, correct? Yep. So uh, they're probably looking at either. I'm assuming Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. Maybe Mac Jones, probably not Mac Jones. Uh, but I'm assuming Lawrence goes one, which is pretty much a given at this point. So big development right there in the NFL. Kind of crazy happened uh, as we are. Wow. And kind of directly tying that back in with trades and how Jason Tatum won't be a Boston Celtic in three years. How do you feel about that? <laughs> because Danny Ainge isn't doing the best job as a GM showing his players that he's committed to really going above and beyond and taking that risk to try and go and win now. He's always, no, let's okay. leverage for the future, leverage for the future. When will it be? Let's win now. D Danny makes moves, okay? Obviously, the past two years, he has not. Like I said, the Fournier trade, that was just to give Celtics fans another six months of being at least – content with the team now when we look back at like the uh the Sixers trade that, that was another Danny move we have the Brooklyn trade he's done things that have benefited our franchise but I I agree I really don't want to see Jason or Jalen gone but the way that it's been going 
I can see JB moving on. He's shown that he could be the second or first best player on a team. JT's not going anywhere. He's he's going to be a Bostoner for life. And if he wasn't, I'd probably not be on the internet for three months. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, on the bright side, the Celtics are getting Romeo Langford back, a good defender for them, 6-7, kind of guard some good players, and they have Evan Fournier. So if anything, their bench squad just, just got a little bit better. Maybe they can try yeah. and get some chemistry going for the last 15, 20 games of the season and make a push into the East. But let's go and move on to the West because that's where all the action is happening. It is an absolute bloodbath. I feel like it's the movie 300. Just I'm telling you, every team is going for the championship. The Jazz think they have a chance. The Nuggets do. The Suns do. The Lakers do. You know, I don't want to see the Mavericks in the first round with Luka and Porzingis, and they're finally coming back in the shape. I don't want to see it. So let's just start off with this, uh, Aaron. If you could see any first-round Western Conference matchup, which one do you want to see and why? I want to see the Lakers against, I'm assuming they'll end up being a seven, six, six, seven, eight seed right now. Um, I want to see them play the Nuggets in the first round. I really want to see that series. I want to see Jokic and all the off-ball movement of the Nuggets against LeBron and AD. That would be an awesome series to start it off with. All right. Well, what I want to see is I just want I just want both the Lakers superstars and Anthony Davis and LeBron to come back fully healthy. I don't want I don't want any of you LeBron fans to have excuses being like, oh, LeBron wasn't healthy, blah, blah, blah. Anthony Davis was not 100 percent. No, like I want to see this full Lakers team in action in the playoffs. And don't rob me of a Lakers Clippers finals series this time not a final series just any i don't care if it's in the first round the second round or in the in the western conference finals i just need to see the battle of la in a playoff series this year all right for me i kind of want to go with two teams that no one mentioned i want to go with the phoenix suns devin booker's first playoff appearance the mavericks are really coming into form also the blazers suns jazz blazers yes just some good ones that you know donovan versus dame and cj Go bear. There's a lot of a lot of interesting matchups going on. You know, the I was West, gonna say yeah. the, the bottom four seeds in the West out of all those teams, you gotta look at the Blazers, man. They just got Norman Powell from the Raptors. He's been balling. CJ does his thing. And don't even get me started on Dame Lillard. He's probably my favorite player outside of Boston in the league. And it, it's a shame because he does this every fucking year, and I still have to talk about it because nobody else wants to. If he played the Clippers in the first round, Paul George is going to get PTSD from his Thunder days. He's going to send them back home to L.A., and they're going to sit on their couch while they watch the Blazers play the Nuggets or Lakers in the next round. I'm telling you, it's they are the last team that I'd want to see. You got Nurkic back. He's going to be healthy. You get Dame doing his thing in the playoffs. Forget about it. the Jazz. If they see them, that's a five-game series. I want to see the Blazers make some fucking noise. I'm telling you, the Blazers Clippers. I'm so glad you brought that up. Whoa, what a series that would be! And I, yes. I, I, I hate to say it because T Man is on the Clippers. I'd have that's the Blazers the in seven. I'd have the Blazers in seven. Wow, that would be an insane series. But that just goes and ties right into what we're talking about, where. Every team in the West outside of the eight seed, which is currently Memphis, has their own legitimate claim to convince themselves we can make it to the Western Conference Finals this year. We have a spot, and here's how we can do it. 
And then the last thing I want to talk about for the West was the LeBron playoff conundrum. Here's why it's a conundrum, guys. Because when LeBron was in the East, they said the East was too, was too soft. The East was easy, right? And then all of a sudden, he goes to the West and everyone runs East. And then what happens? Now the West is where everyone wants to be. The West, the West is a bloodbath. LeBron is going to have to kick and fight to get to the finals this year. He's going to have to do that. And when he did it in the East, everyone said it was easy. And then he did it in the West and said it was easy again. So it's just a conundrum to kind of see how everyone's, you know, mentality is just so wishy-washy when it comes to this guy. Uh, Aaron, how do we feel about that, man? Because the West this year is, wow. And the East, total drop-off. Listen, if, if LeBron pulls this one off this year and beats either the, either the Nets or the Sixers in the finals, either of them, even the Bucks, really, if he pulls it off, goes through this Western Conference and beats one of those elite Eastern teams, I don't want to hear another word about Jordan. I mean, this would be an unbelievable run. I think he's – honestly, I have a theory. I have a theory that he's okay right now. He's ready to play. He could. But he's sitting, he's waiting in the lab because he wants to be more impressive. He wants that shock value. He wants to come in as the seven seed and just wipe everyone out. And I am here for it. You guys know I'm a big LeBron fan. Love the Lakers as well. I, I'm very excited. I, I love what LeBron's doing right here. If he wins it this year, there's nothing else you could say. There's nothing else you could say. Cam and Chad, how do you feel about that? Because you may say he has to get to six to reach Jordan. But if he takes down the lethal weapon three with Kyrie Harden and KD and Blake Griffin, LaMarcus, Claxton, like you were talking about, Joe Harris, all these other guys, <laughs> what, what do you think about it? All right, first of all, let's not pretend like LeBron's dragging bums to the playoffs this year. Like, he's still got an excellent team. But I do agree this playoff run would be – Probably his most impressive one if he could go through Denver. Hopefully I get to see the Clippers because I just want that for like the Battle of L.A. But uh, would this make him my goat? Probably not. But I would have to watch if I would I would revisit the conversation after the finals. But I would love to, I would love to see it. And I do agree with going through this West gauntlet. Going through, I, it's got to be the Nets team. If the Sixers are not going to beat, the Sixers are not beating the Lakers. Don't sleep I don't think on the, the Bucks. Can beat. Don't the sleep on the Sixers. So I'm going to say. What'd you say? Don't sleep on the Sixers this year. The Sixers okay. are a very good team. Don't sleep. I on agree them. with that, but they're still not going to beat the Lakers. So I need to see it against the Nets because I need that KD Braun matchup in the finals. What do you think, Chad? I think we can all agree. I think we all even have money on it that if they're both healthy, the Nets and Lakers are meeting in the finals. Right. Um, and if that happens and LeBron perseveres and, and beats this never before seen stacked out the ass team, it's it's locked in, set in stone. LeBron goat. I don't care what rings you're counting. Mickey finals. Mouse. Rings, shut up. Mickey Mouse rings. Finals losses. I don't care. He's been there how many times he's going to win against unarguably the best team to ever fucking make it through. So yes, 100% goat. Yeah. So what I would say to that is Cam, I'd have to disagree with your Sixers take. If the Sixers beat the Nets and he beats the Sixers, it's the same validity as being the Nets. I hate to say it because I want to see KD also. I, I want to see KD versus Braun also, but we can't get mad at the Nuggets for beating the Clippers last year, even though we wanted to see Clippers Lakers. The Nuggets beat them fair and square. The Lakers beat the competition 
that they faced. You can't blame the Lakers for beating someone that they didn't even play. So that's what we're going to say for the West. I you gotta have- let me talk, bro. It's the bubble, bro. That doesn't happen in the bubble. If they have to go into a stacked Staples Center, the Clippers win that series. I don't care what I say. They're not blowing a 3-1 lead in L.A. with fans. It doesn't happen. It's not like there's fans this year either, though. I mean. Especially in L.A., where these yeah. where, where these laws are not like Florida, where it's going to be an empty crowd noise arena for the Clippers. So let's see how they can do. But, dude, I don't like when people talk about the bubble too much there because you still have to play basketball. You still have to play basketball. And I think it may have even be, been worse. Dude, if you had a fully stacked arena in the Clippers and they were up 3-1 and it's a game seven at home in L.A., and PG shoots a three-pointer off the side of the backboard with 25,000 fans in the arena, I'm telling you, he would not be an L.A. Clipper this season. He would have been traded out of town because the slander would have only been intensified with 25,000 fans breathing down your neck and booing you once the Nuggets were up 13 in the fourth quarter. But let's move on from the West. We'll take a quick break, and we'll finish off with the future of the East. I can't wait. Stay tuned. All right, so we are back for this last segment. We're going to be talking about the future of the East. As I stated before, man, the top of the East is, is wow. It's stacked. It's kind of consistent. It's not going anywhere for the next three, four years. It's the Nets. It's the Sixers. It's the Bucks. And maybe you can slide the heat in there, maybe. But I'm telling you, the East is up for grabs. So if I'm a team in the lower tier, if I'm the Hornets, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Celtics, the Wizards, the Pacers, if I'm one of those teams, I'm not tanking. Why would I? I can try and shoot for the, I can shoot for the moon and try to get a playoff spot. That's what is ideal. That would show my fan base, hey, we're trying to build a winning culture. We don't just want to be like the Kings and just trade our best player every four years and say we're rebuilding again. You know, so how do we feel about the, uh, the playoffs? I'll start with you, Cam, because... This is unlike anything I've ever seen in a long time. Four, five, six, seven, and eight are switching every single day. Yeah, it's honestly like pretty fun to watch and it's pretty ultra competitive because like the top three are pretty solidified. There's like an eight game gap between the Milwaukee, uh, Brooklyn, and Philly, but everybody else, you're jockeying for position every single day. I think uh, the Heat and the Hawks are uh, four and five right now, and they're they have, they're exactly tied. And then the games below them, it's uh, the Knicks, the Celtics, and uh, I'm not sure who the last the Hornets. Is. The Hornets are all also tied. So you're jockeying for position every single day to like decide who's going to make the playoffs and who's going to be in the playing game versus like some of these teams could probably use draft picks more than uh, playing in these, in these playoffs specifically like the Knicks, I think would be a little better off using a draft pick instead. But I mean, it's, it's super competitive to watch every game is a toss up. It's it just makes the NBA more fun overall. Well, I just thought about this, and I'll throw this to you right after Floyd, and it's very interesting because the Clippers, before they got Kawhi and PG, what were they? They were a bunch of rough riders, got the eight seed, went up against Golden State, and gave them a run for their money. The Brooklyn Nets, before they got KD and Kyrie, what were they? They were a team of rough riders that were getting their money and gave the Sixers a run for their money, okay? What I'm saying is sometimes don't tank. Show the other stars in the league that even without you, we're a playoff team. We can still be a seven seed without you. 
So if you join with us, we're automatically vaulted into a championship contender. That's my hope for these teams to try and, uh, you know, audition for All-Stars. If right before the Nets signed Katie and Kyrie, if the Nets and Knicks had their positions flipped, would Kyrie and KD have gone to the Knicks? I think so. If the Knicks were a seven seed without them two, I, I think they might have gone to the Knicks instead of the Nets. So I do like the idea of trying to make the playoffs because, you know, even if you're back end of the lottery, you're not getting a much better pick than if you're in the playoffs anyways. I don't think it's worth it to try to uh, try to do that. Well, listen, executives in the league, I mean, we're fans, right? The people that live and breathe this every day, they've noticed the same thing too. I mean, think about it. We got the Hawks, we got the Hornets, we got the Knicks. These are all teams that are probably going to make the playoff if all goes well. Two years ago, I remember the Hornets sucking. I remember the Hawks sucking. The Knicks have always been a joke. So it's really nice for the league going forward, seeing that teams want to be competitive in this side of the, you know, the East because they see the opportunity that's available. That's why we see the Julius Randle signing. That, that, that's why the Hawks went all out this past offseason because once LeBron is gone, he's solidified in the West now. It's completely cracked open for anybody. And obviously, like you touched on, Ak, uh, like a team like the Knicks would benefit more if they were in the lottery. But at some point, you have to show your fans something. And that, that is what the, the executives going forward, I think, in the East are really going to do is push. Why not push? You, you could go with Philly toe-to-toe in a series. You might not win it, but at least you were there. At least your players feel like they have something to play for. And, you know, when, when it comes to, like, Terry Rozier and Gordon going to Charlotte, it's culture changers. It's players that have been on winning teams that know how to win, and th- they're going to win on their next team. So the East is super – super competitive, which I think is the best thing that could happen to basketball. And that is exactly why I'm so disappointed in the Brooklyn Nets. Because we have all these other all-stars. We have Tatum and we have Trey and Donovan and Luca and all these young superstars for the future and John Morant. And they're saying, I got drafted to the Memphis Grizzlies. I got drafted to the Atlanta Hawks with no help. And in two, three years, I'm in the playoffs clawing to try and get a high seed. And then I see my elders in the league, the better players than me, the Kevin Durant, the Hardens, the Kyrie say, you know what? Let's fuck the grind. Fuck the day to gay grind. Let's just fucking team up in Brooklyn. Harden goes to strip clubs and opts out and then doesn't even play 100%, goes to the Brooklyn Nets. And now he's an MVP candidate because we've seen Blake Griffin do the same thing in Detroit where he didn't dunk for two years. In his first attempt as a Brooklyn Net, he threw it down. We're seeing that these younger guys aren't getting taught to grind it out and to do it and get it out the mud and do it by themselves. No, instead, we're pairing up. We're making it impossible, not even making it competitive anymore. The four through 10 seed in the East is so close in parity. The one, two, and three is completely, completely skewed. And Brooklyn sits atop that. So that's what I say about the East. Uh, Aaron, how do you feel about the East? And then We'll close out for this uh, podcast. Yeah, like you said, the East is pretty top-heavy. I mean, once you get past the top three, no one really has a shot at, uh, at really a finals run, except, you know, maybe the Heat. Everything goes perfect again. Probably not, though. But I, I like seeing the Knicks in the playoffs. I think basketball is more fun when the Knicks are good. Same with the Bulls might get into it. should be really cool because the big markets, man, when the big markets get going, that's when you get the big rivalries, the primetime TV, those just the feeling of, a big rivalry in the garden like that is electric. Nothing compares to it. So, like I said, I, I, like, I want to see the big markets be good again.
one really interesting thing that I just saw was pray that the Pelicans can start turning it up. The Warriors have lost four out of the last five. They're not on a good winning streak. Right now, they're sit at the 10th seed, 23 and 27. The Pelicans sit at the 11th seed, 22 and 27. The Pelicans need to get a playing game because that's why the NBA installed it in the first in the first place. They said, you know what, we need to have Zion go in a playoff type atmosphere because this team's not good enough yet. That's why I think they put it in. So let's look out for these uh, games coming up in the home stretch. And I cannot wait. But let's sign off for today. Another podcast coming soon about college basketball, talking everything, women's, men's, got some ballers on both sides. Uh, So we'll be talking about that. Jalen Suggs hit a crazy game winner. Chad uh, alluded on that after. So let's just start the sign-offs, man. Cam and Chad, let's uh, hear from you. What do you guys want to say? Any information that you guys want our uh, listeners to know? Yeah, I mean, another great pod. And uh, by the time you hear this, Gonzaga will be the uh, champions. So um, we're here <laughs> first. What do you got to say, Chad? Uh, my, the name of my bracket is Baylor is nice, so I'm praying on Baylor. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm glad we got this pod. And it's been a while since we posted. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Now, I will say this. Everybody, when you watch the national championship game, take note of Drew Timmy's footwork. It is the greatest footwork I've seen in college basketball in a number of years. White boys can still jump. I have Gonzaga winning this game. Baby Kevin McHale is Drew Timmy. The footwork yes. is out Thank you. of this world, man. The pump fakes, footworks, spin pivots. That guy must have fronted as a ballerina back in the day. I don't know how he's so light on his toes, but Aaron, send us off, man. What do you want to say? Also take note of Gonzaga's offense and how they operate and how they only shoot open threes and open layups. That's it. That's how they're so efficient. They do a great job of working the ball around. They have a bunch of playmakers on the floor. They run a lot of five out. It's the offense of the future. It's coming to the NBA. It's going to be everywhere soon. So pay attention to that. Go Zags. See you guys soon. Yeah, absolutely. So last thing, the March Madness bracket, Aaron talked about a little bit about that earlier, about the two people. I don't know if you want to say anything else and just let our listeners know what to expect. Yeah, so uh, if Gonzaga wins tonight, uh, Devin Rivera will win the bracket challenge. If the boy. Wins, JP Maniscalco will win the bracket challenge. So uh, if you're listening to this, get in contact with us. You, you both have my number. Text me. Um, get, get us your address, and we'll get you the shirt when you win. So good luck to both of you tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Uh, and no further ado, we'll see you later. Peace.